The Adventures of Elizabeth Crown presents The Battle of Ruritania, Episode 6. Very few people had ever heard Elizabeth scream. She could scream, and she often had reason to. But Elizabeth rarely let loose more than a yelp, any more than she openly laughed, and her nerves had only hardened over time. Even in moments of sheer terror, she reserved her voice. But on that cold, cold morning, Elizabeth screamed, a scream of absolute anguish. The memory would always be strange, opaque and crystal clear, retained in flashes like the most persistent nightmare. Elizabeth standing in her quarters by the big window, anxiously watching the road. Sondor emerging in the distance. Elizabeth crying, thank God, and flying from the room. Elizabeth hurtling down the stairs through the front gate, the bitter cold of winter. Elizabeth nearly slipping on the crusty ground. Sandor coming closer, his shape distorted, his strange gait as he staggered down the highway. Elizabeth realizing what was draped over Sandor's shoulder. A man lying limp. Elizabeth somehow knowing that this was O'Malley and somehow certain that O'Malley was dead. That was when she screamed, long and piercing and mordant. She ran, as if by running she could undo what had been done. Now she did slip, battering her knees against the hard earth, but she ignored the pain. She limped onward, as fast as she could, her robe bunching around her. Sandor jolted when he heard her voice, but he was too exhausted to move any faster. All night, through the driving storm, Sandor had carried O'Malley's body across the countryside. All those miles, he had pressed on through the bitter wind and cold. Now he was here, his face colorless, his mustache crusted in ice, every ounce of strength expended. The sight of Elizabeth running toward him, face contorted with despair, sapped him of everything. He collapsed, and his burden collapsed beside him. Elizabeth reached them, and she howled into the barren landscape. O'Malley's face was pale blue. His eyes were half open, as was his mouth. His lips were stiff with cold and rigor mortis. Elizabeth threw herself over the body, sobbing into O'Malley's chest. What followed was a blur of panic and confusion. Milos running from the castle, leading a coterie of servants. Sandor being lifted to his feet and carried away, arms over shoulders. Rudolph appearing as well, still wearing his nightclothes, Maud scampering up behind him, hands over her face, tears streaming, Maud touching Elizabeth's arm, 
rubbing her back. Elizabeth, convulsing with grief, sobbing into O'Malley's clammy neck. For the next few hours, the castle echoed with activity. Servants darted through rooms and hallways. News was exchanged in nervous whispers. The Count was hypothermic. He was now in bed, shivering beneath blankets. Rudolf stomped about the house, shouting orders in coarse German. Sir Shanley rolled his wheelchair from one chamber to the next, taking stock of the chaos. O'Malley was taken to the cellars to be wrapped in muslin and preserved in ice. Through it all, Elizabeth was inconsolable. She rocked at the edge of her mattress, babbling nonsense. Slowly, a mournful silence fell over the castle. Doors shut and people vanished. For the whole afternoon, nothing stirred. What happened here? cried Lieutenant Schmidt. Are you all right, Herr Doctor? The lab was in shambles. Shattered desks, broken shelves, and papers everywhere. Schmidt marched across the floor, broken glass crunching beneath his heel. In the entryway, the steps were splattered with dry blood. Soldiers moved about the chamber, sweeping debris and cataloging the destruction. But Gilkeen only sprawled out in a chair, sipping from a steel cup. The chair had wheels and a pivot, and Gilkeen rotated back and forth like an excitable child. When he lowered the vessel from his lips, Schmidt saw the doctor's dappy smile. Good morning, Herr Schmidt, he sang. If only you could have been there. It was magnificent. What are you talking about? Schmidt snapped. And what are these reports I hear? An assault on the castle, two casualties, and... My God, man, look at this place. Gelkin clucked his tongue. Lieutenant, Lieutenant, calm yourself. Nothing is the matter. If anything, this assault, as you put it, only gave us another chance to field test our prototype. Schmidt bristled. Two of our men are dead. They are not our test subjects. Gelkin rolled his eyes. You are too sentimental, Herr Schmidt. Each man serves his country in a different way. Schmidt's lip quivered. How dare you speak of the dead in such a way? Gelkin's smile broadened. I am beginning to think, Lieutenant, that the prince entrusted this mission to the wrong man. And I would hate to see another officer fail at such an important task. Schmidt stopped. He felt a familiar surge of emotion. His muscles tensed. His eyes turned glassy. Nothing disarmed him like a challenge to his loyalty. This feeling had dogged him since boyhood. Schmidt could bear any torment Battle, bombardment, hunger, even the shrapnel still embedded in his flesh. But failure, that was beyond the pale. I apologize, Herr Doctor, 
muttered Schmidt. Of course, accidents happen. I am only concerned for your safety. Do not be lieutenant. I am quite safe from the prototype. Since the moment it was first conscious, I have trained it to respond only to me. When I tell it to attack, it attacks. When I tell it to heal, it heals. No bloodhound on earth was ever so obedient to its master. So, you were never in danger? No, not even from our two visitors. Do you know who they were? Oh yes, I know exactly who they were, and even where to find them. And I owe that knowledge to you. To me? Yes. One of the men wore an eye patch, a most conspicuous fashion. The prince has informed me of your encounter at the border. You did escort a one-eyed man to Castle Brutzen, did you not? Schmidt clenched his fists. I knew they were trouble. As soon as I saw them, I knew- No need for theatrics, Lieutenant. You had no grounds to detain them at the time. And anyhow, it is a blessing in disguise. A blessing? To allow anarchists into our country, planning God knows what? A blessing, repeated Gelkin. They have committed a crime against the crown. They are now abetted by the Baron von Brutzen, a suspicious character in his own right. Now, there is no doubt that the Baron is a traitor, whether he knows it or not. The Prince will certainly authorize a police action against him. You mean to arrest him? Arrest, mein Herr, you are not nearly so ambitious as I had hoped. The Baron lives in a castle. What better test of our prototype than a fortified home with men who will almost certainly resist us? Schmidt felt dizzy. You mean, we will attack Castle Brutzen? Gelkin chuckled. He clapped a hand on Schmidt's shoulder. His very skin seemed to prickle beneath the doctor's palm. Why should we trifle with defenseless gypsies? To know the true potential of our prototype, we must test it in an actual combat scenario. But Schmidt could barely rein in his thoughts. What if, what if the Baron is harmed or killed? Now the doctor laughed, a breathy, chalky laugh. The laugh of a man who has long dismissed the worries of others. Lieutenant, the prototype is not designed to take prisoners. It is designed to kill, and only kill. Once I unleash the prototype, no one will survive. Not the Baron, not his friends, not a single living soul. Precisely as the Prince will wish it. You've been listening to The Battle of Ruritania, Episode 6, written and performed by Robert Eisenberg. The Adventures of Elizabeth Crown are produced by Airmail Media in Providence, Rhode Island. Music provided and licensed by audioblocks.com
For more information about the exciting field of uncanology, visit elizabethcrown.net.